supersonic. 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 Welcome to Supersonic Hospitality Marketing with me, Mark McSee, where we meet the most interesting people in hospitality, marketing, business, and beyond to hear tips, tricks, and tales to help your brand boom. This podcast is sponsored by Vita Mojo, the all-in-one restaurant management platform helping operators grow ATV, reduce tech complexity, and serve guests better. Hey there, my name is Paul Barron. I'm the founder of I Am Donna. We are the restaurant chain on a mission to revolutionize the kebab. In 2016, we opened our first site in Leeds with massive ambitions to go global. But first, we needed a change. Being a chef, I've always been a bit skeptical about being pushed down the technological route. But what it's done for labor and customer service has completely changed the game for us. We partnered with Vita Mojo to introduce their all-in-one restaurant platform. We now take 100% of our orders digitally through kiosks, click and collect and delivery channels. We've waved goodbye to the manual processing of delivery orders as we now have all our delivery partners integrated through VitaMojo. We only need to do one menu push when updating menus across all platforms. Orders from all channels come into one screen in the kitchen making the operation faster and more efficient. The throughput is four times faster and we've seen a 35% increase in ATV. Our partnership with VitaMojo has transformed I am Donna. It's a massive part of our revolution. Find out more at vitamojo.com forward slash supersonic. Hi, just before we get into the show proper, I had a message from our silver sponsors, Creventa. I was at an awards ceremony the other evening in London and it was fabulous, but I'm now, due to some health issues, a painful guest to invite. I'm now alcohol-free, dairy-free, gluten-free and many, many other things. And that means that when you're going to an event, you can feel a bit of shame as a guest when you are responding to someone that's collating all the menu requests because you don't want to give them too much hassle. And just thinking about it, actually using something like creventa.com would have made it a far better experience for me and for the team that were collating hundreds and hundreds of menu requirements and also thinking about them passing that on to the chefs, the venue, the waiters, the teams over there to make sure that the guest gets exactly what they need and they have the experience that they want. So if you're hosting any corporate events or indeed your venue hosts many, many of these parties, weddings, celebrations, I would really, really recommend getting in touch with Creventa.com. Creventa really is the answer to all of your problems as they have a seamless system that lets you email or text all guests individually to then get them to pre-order their food and drink plus create your table plan with their drag and drop system ensure that all the details and payments are correct plus it really feels great when you get to the table and there's a super clear menu table name placement there which then says everything that you're going to be eating and flags at a glance any allergens or guest dietary requirements that you might have. Creventa helps your guests have the best experience which will be long remembered which means great word of mouth and great repeat business. You'll get booked again and again and again. 
it will give you huge benefits as a host or as a venue and from as little as £99 per month per venue you really have a seamless experience at your fingertips. With Creventa you'll not only save time, money, staff, resource and omit any human errors because we can do that sometimes you'll also help the planet by reducing food waste by around 18% which is massive so if you host, hold or run events you need Creventa just go to creventa.com now to experience the future of seamless event hosting So I don't know if some of you have seen the LinkedIn post that I put up lately, but I've been working away in the last six months, seven months, eight months to try and shift some pounds. And I'm very, very delighted to say that I've managed to lose five stone in about eight months. So I'm hoping that it doesn't jump back on like some kind of nutty professor or something like that. But it takes a lot of hard work. The good news is that there's so many options now about what you can have. So whether you're dairy-free, gluten-free, alcohol-free, you need to eat healthily, anything like that. When I was a kid growing up, it wasn't so easy in backwater Scotland. You had beige, beige upon beige, and it was either fried, flaky pastries and baked, but none of it was really good news. So thank goodness for people like our next guest, who is Angelina Harrison, who is the brand director at Tost. And I'm so excited to talk to Angelina because I've watched Tost with big admiration over the years, not least they were one of our biggest competitors when I did some work at Chopped. Also, they were groundbreaking in going into service stations and things like that, where it just wasn't really the done thing. You had your KFCs and you had maybe your M&S and your Burger Kings and all the rest of it. But again, there wasn't usually other healthier, lighter, maybe better wellness options around when you were eating on the fly. I'm so excited to catch up with Angelina. It's been a while because we worked together at Pret, or at least crossed over a little bit. So it'd be nice to catch up. Also hear her story about how she got to where she got to all about Tost because it really has been an icon of healthier eating around the UK and not least our huge role of being brand director for Tost and all that that encompasses in terms of building the brand, growing sales, research, development, innovation and no doubt we'll be talking a little bit about our friends at Vita Mojo. So it gives me the most lettuce entertain you pleasure ever to introduce my next guest, who is Angelina Ange Harrison, who is a brand director at Toast. Hello. 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 It's been a it's been a while. Yeah, it has been, hasn't it? <laughs> many, many years. So ex-pretters. Ex-pretamanger. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And how did you find it? Did you enjoy being there? Uh, I did. I had a great time. Um, it's kind of the sort of college entry level into the industry, isn't it? It's sort of, it's been around for so long and so many people have worked there. You kind of have that relationship with people, even if you didn't know them so well, yeah. like, like, like us, where you're like, oh yes, hello, you get that little nod. You're like, oh, I yeah. see you. Yeah. But yeah, it was, I had a ball. I really did. And what were you doing there in the main, just for people listening? Well, I joined as uh, on the management training scheme. So I trained as a chef originally by mm -hmm. trade um, and then one way or another sort of got more into 
hospitality management. And that's where I joined Brett. And after a couple of years in stores, quite randomly, a job came up in head office um, as a food assistant. And I was sort of umming and ahhing. It was sort of not necessarily a backward step for me, but certainly a sideways step in terms mm. of my management career. Um, but I went for it. I got the job. And then sort of a year or so later, I managed to land a, a job as a food developer in the food team, um, which was just, you know, icing on the cake, really. Mm. If you ask anyone who sort of does MPD as a as a as a job, to be a food developer in prep is um is the sort of creme de la creme, I suppose, is a particularly yeah. sort of annoying way of putting it. So um yeah, I was there for five years all in all. Nice. And you must have saw a lot of changes as well. I mean, were you there during COVID or you gone by then? No, 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 no. I left there in, in 2011. So still uh-huh. a, a fair amount of changes when I was there. It yeah. really was the, it was the golden years a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, first, first recession had gone, or first recession, you know, the big recession that happened. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was sort of on the way back up. A lot of um, expansion internationally. I was fortunate to do a little bit of work in New York, did a little bit of work on the Paris opening. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was, it was all guns blazing in terms of growth um, when I was there, which was, you know, hugely exciting for a sort of young whippersnapper in the industry. And was there inventions, food that you were particularly proud of, that you particularly loved when you were doing stuff? Yeah, I was involved in a couple of big projects, actually. The, the, The thing that really sticks out and the thing that people sort of would probably remember me for like I say remember me for like it was a, a film or something but I, I was <laughs> like the Simpsons <laughs> yeah exactly I, I I worked on the the launch of the, the porridge product mm. um which was one of those things that Brett never had a porridge they couldn't quite make it work and and when I was there I was the lead developer on on actually getting the porridge out of development and into the stores and and I think it did something ridiculous like sold 2.5 million portions in the first year you know, it was. It really was a game changer, and and I find that quite a lot. And the things that perhaps made the biggest impact aren't the sort of you know the charcoal croissants or the matcha lattes. They're the really sort of basic items that that people just love and buy a lot. Um, I developed the chicken and bacon Caesar baguette, mm. which at the time I think I developed it as a special, and it was a bit of a like, oh, you know, people like chicken and bacon Caesar salads really popular let's do this and and it's sort of climbed its way up and I think it's still now in like the top three bread lines at prayer and and it's kind of like oh, it's just it's just a chicken season again how has that happened yeah, but the yeah. things that I would say you know that that I really love doing and that were like I thought were the most innovative and exciting things are sort of long run for this world as yeah. it always does tend to happen doesn't it yeah, no, it definitely. I mean, that's the whole Lego Star Wars thing. It's you know when you see something, you just go, "Of course!" Like, why hasn't anyone thought about that before? And I think yeah. the auditions uh, side of things, you know, when when we used to do things in Wilton Road, and then you used to have most of Eats management staff sitting there <laughs> trying to yeah. make ideas, and then yeah. they pull it out really quickly, allegedly, but mm-hmm. probably um, before I don't get sued. Um, but yeah, there was a lot of that stuff going on, and and. You know, I was always just shocked at, at 
just the simplest ideas of just asking people like what they mm-hmm. thought of something and yeah you know and 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 that's how it worked and it was just you know so obvious but so difficult for for most businesses to do so if we go back then um then how did you sort of fall into hospitality like what happened before that Oh, well, sort of a classic tale of, of someone who didn't really know what they wanted to do. Um, so started working in the jobs that were available sort of in the late 90s in London, which is bar work, waitressing, food assistant type things. And um, got to the point where, you know, my parents were sort of saying to me, you're going to get a proper job. Mm. And it's like, well, actually, this could be a proper job. So I, I went off to college, got my professional cookery qualifications, followed that up with a, a role as a chef, then went back to college, did hospitality management uh, as an HND, and, you know, kind of realised at some point that actually this could be a proper job. It's not just something that that I'm doing until something better comes along and when you sort of get to the realization that you're doing something that you that you enjoy and that you're actually quite good at, it it, it makes a lot of sense just to sort of keep doing that. And uh, and I've been quite fortunate in the fact that my career has taken me to places and, and made me meet people who I've I've found really interesting and I've really liked doing and and had relative levels of success doing what I'm doing. So I've just kept doing it really, and that's what I've done for the best part of twenty. Five years, yeah. probably. So you know, it's it's not been any great um, mystery. It's just you know having fun and and being successful, really. And then, in terms of the chef and side of things, you know, were there parts of that you really enjoyed? Was there like you know big highlights? You know, anything from those days? I I didn't do chefing for very long. Mm. By this, by the point I started doing chefing, I'd probably already spent five years doing bar work and waitressing and doing all the hours that got sent and split shifts and late shifts and early shifts and trying to get home at three o'clock in the morning through the streets of London. So I didn't, I wasn't really up for the sort of traditional let's, let's work ourselves into the ground as a chef in a top restaurant. Um, my chef, the, the one and only proper chef job I had was actually at Great Ormond Street Hospital. Mm-hmm. Um which was fabulous. You know, it was a lot of making fairy cakes and gingerbread men and, and 2,000 portions of lasagna and chilli and, and real sort of um, home cooking, but on a, on a massive scale. Um, and I did that for nearly three years. And that's when I then sort of decided to actually go a little bit more into management. Um, I had no inclination at that point to to actually go and work in a professional kitchen and be shouted at for 18 hours a day. Um, I felt I felt I'd done my time yeah. doing that. Um, but it did still instill in me a love of food and 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 joy and a privilege of of feeding people, whatever that situation is, whether it's in a hospital, whether it's in a sandwich shop, whether it's at home with the family. You know, if you give people food, you're you're halfway towards making a friend for life. Yeah, well, I mean, and such a lovely thing, you know, to do it for as well for all those, you know, wonderful kiddies and their parents and the staff yeah. and all the rest of it. You know, it's just a lovely yeah. way to give hospitality across. Yeah, um, exactly. And then, you know, moving into the management training side of things. I mean, what did you find then? Was that sort of early two thousand something like that? Yes, two thousand and. 
three, I started, I did a stint at Topshop in Oxford Circus. They had oh, yeah. a, um, yeah, they had a cafe downstairs um, that was run by the BHS restaurant team. Mm-hmm. And again, it was one of those situations where I saw a job advertised, applied for it and ended up getting it and then spent three years doing that. And that was super interesting, but really quite challenging because I was working for a beer company, you know, Topshop back in those days was huge and that Mm. store was ridiculous. Um, But no one really knew anything about food. No one really knew anything about running a food business. So I was, half of me was reporting into the managers of the store and the other half of me was reporting into the BHS restaurant team, which didn't really understand why they were having to help the the sort of younger sister over in Topshop um, sell chips to teenagers. (laughs) Um, So it was a real challenge. But again, it was a really fun and exciting place to be. You know, this was when Kate Moss was working for the brand. You know, you'd get all the celebrities coming into the store. It was really, really exciting. But ultimately, I felt that, I wanted to work somewhere who, where the passion was for food. You know, the passion at Topshop was for clothes and fashion. Yeah. Um, no one really cared about the food that much. So that led me to um, Pretz doorstep, where, again, I applied, joined the management training scheme, was taken on, um, did two years in operations, which I wasn't very good at. Operations. You know, when I look back at <laughs> it now, and when I look at the operations managers that I work with and have worked with, and I look at their skills and I look how great they are at managing people and getting the best out of people and dealing with sort of issues and crisis and, and, and all of the things they've got to juggle. And I sort of think back and go, oh, I would have been rubbish at that, you know, really bad. But at the time, that was the sort of that's where I was and that's where all the jobs were. So that's when I ended up joining Pratt and, and spending a couple of years. And I'm really, really grateful. And it's been really useful for me to have that experience working in stores as an, as an operator, mm-hmm. because everything you then go on to do in head office has to be translated back to store level. And that doesn't matter whether it's MPD operations, marketing, brand, whatever it is, it's got to be executed. And the people who are executing it, you know, They've got to be able to pick it up quickly and simply. So the time that I spent in both Topshop and in Pret on the shop floor, making sandwiches, making coffee, serving customers has been so useful in, in my sort of head office career. Well, it was so good because we had um, and Andrea on, um, the chief people officer from mm. Pret. So it was a wonderful episode and you, you, know, you know how lovely she is. And she was talking yeah. about um, shops first. You know, that was really um, how they've sort of expressed that over time, you know, where it really is that. And, you know, you know that yourself, just that shop's first mentality. Mm. And then the other thing I remember was um, being taught uh, as the marketing guy, you know, with all the silly ideas, was don't get in the way of operations. Yeah. You know, in in the nicest of ways, but it was like, you know, don't screw up for them. So, you know, I've always carried those two things with me, you know, really kind of no matter where of yeah. to try and not make whatever my stupid idea is a hassle you know for yeah. folk that, that that creates friction um and then from there then so after prep what was the hop skip and the jump into into where you are now well i met vincent so vincent mckevitt founded tost and he was looking for someone to sort of head up 
the food team and and he'd actually interviewed a friend of mine uh who was um who turned the job down and he said oh, it's not for me but but give Anja ring and he didn't tell me he was going to do that and sort of more I reflect on that I was like I'll just give out my phone number, but anyway, he did, and Vincent, <laughs> yep. Vincent phoned me, and we had a chat, and and it it was so appealing, Mark. You know, this is somebody who was uh, pretty much the same age as me, year or so older, had his own business, had seven stores. He had such a clear vision for where he wanted to take the business. You know, such a clear idea of what the brand did, his passion, his enthusiasm, you know, his energy, it was infectious. And, and it helped that we we got on quite well at a personal level. Um, and, you know, and, and he just sort of said, look, you, you can stay at Pret. It's a great job, great career. Um, but you, you're quite a small fish in a very big pond. Um, you come to Toss, you know, you're a decision maker, you know, everything – Anything you want to do, we'll, we can try it. The only person you've got to answer to is me. Yeah. Um, and again, I, I, I was kind of like, oh, why not? You know, yeah. what have I got to lose in this situation? Um, so, so I moved over, and it was it was quite contentious at the time. Um, Clive Schley, the CEO of Pret, took took me into a room and, and had a chat with me I don't want. about what did I think I was doing. Mm. Um, and I suppose, sort of looking back, they must have thought I was mad. But yeah, quite like taking risks. I don't really see them as risks. I just see them as chances. So let's see. Yeah, I think it's that, that right. great. It's that great phrase is um, you only regret the things you don't do. I mean, you don't know. It's a sliding doors moment, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. Who knows? Who yeah. knows what could have happened? And what did you find when you got there? Then you know, did you have to? sort everything from scratch was there some things in place you know what sort of state was tossed in that's was doing well mm. you know it was it was still young it was still growing um there was a lot to do mm. you know i was all of a sudden i was responsible not only for developing the products but also buying all the ingredients and dealing with all the suppliers and doing everything involved in taking a product from concept to launch and everything else which goes with that, um, which which I quite like, actually. I quite like being busy. I quite like having something to do. I quite like sort of dipping in and out of lots of things. Um, I, I I loved it, you know. It was – I liked – I liked being asked my opinion and, and telling people what to do. I could do some really quick wins – you know, which is always really attractive when you move into mm. a role. Um, and it was and it was exciting. Um, and who doesn't want excitement? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think um, there was a chef panel the other day at an open table event I was, I was sort of at. And one of the chefs from the Cinnamon Club said, um, you know, just talking about excitement, stop making everything idiot-proof. Because if you do, all you'll get is idiots, you know, which I thought was like one of the best phrases ever. And he's like, you know, yeah. you've got to keep it interesting for people, you know, whether that's front of house, in the kitchen, you know, in management, whatever it is, you know, if you dumb everything down to make it optimised, mm. that's not necessarily the goal that you're going after. Yeah. And 
there, there, we had I had this similar conversation with Vincent when we first started. One of one of the issues with Brett, certainly for a big period while I was there, when Julian was sort of extracting himself from the business, the first the first period I had in the food team, Julian was the only person who signed off food. If Julian was happy with it, it got launched. Yeah. When Julian started to remove himself and be around less and less, all of a sudden signing off food became this great big weekly, monthly meeting, and everyone wanted a seat at that table. You know, we had the the international team, we had the brand team, we had, you know, and of course, once people start hearing that some people are going, they want a seat at the table as well. So marketing were there and, and you know, HR were there and finance were there. And, and all of a sudden, you had 15 people trying food. And you're never going to please everyone all the time. There's always going to be someone who doesn't like onions or who yeah. thinks it's too spicy or who thinks it's too salty or, you know, why can't we try this with yogurt instead of mayo? And but and everyone wants to sort of say their piece as well. No one, no one wants to be the person that goes like, yeah, it's great. Let's just go with it. So everyone has an opinion in it. And you end up diluting things down so much to please many as many people that you end up with something that's really bland whereas at Tost what I could do with Vincent is if we liked it you know it was great might might not have been might not have been okay to everybody but to some people it was amazing it was fantastic it was the best thing they've ever had um and that's really important as well you know if if you try and please everyone you end up with something boring so you know be a bit polarizing there's nothing wrong with it you're never yeah. gonna something is food everyone's got an opinion because everybody eats yeah i mean i've i've found it a lot you know not just in prep and in other places that i've worked and you know you've got the committee you know sitting and you yeah. say right what, what do you think of this marketing campaign because you have to say it and then you know the person from accounts or whatever it is goes i don't like blue because i had a blue car once and it didn't work and you're like <laughs> i could care less you know and all oh, my 14 year old i showed it to my 14 year old daughter and they thought i could care less what your 14 year old daughter thinks because yeah. she's not the target market so you know it's stuff like that but yeah and as you say you know if you stand what is it if you stand for uh nothing you'll fall for everything and you know, exactly. uh, you you just yeah. you know delight no one, and and you know iconic things weren't yeah you know out of of the status quo. So yeah, it, yeah, it's really difficult. So that's great that you had that sort of pointed direction, and also when you look at Tost, and you know I watched them really closely because I ended up working quite closely with Chop for a few years. Um, sort of once I left Pret, you know that was one of my main clients, and you know, we were always looking with admiration about what they were doing and Vital as well. And, you know, but you had a really sharp, noisy brand. Um, yeah. The fact that you owned that colour so well, I thought was excellent. Um, there was a lot of punnery going on, which was fun. Yeah. Um, and then there was like, even back then, there was a lot of huge technical advancements of, you know, pre-ordering and, and turning up and all that sort of stuff. So, you know, are you able to talk about that sort of things? Because you were kind of the most innovative, I think, of all the the sort of QSR more healthier brands. Yeah, it was. I think 2016 might have been a bit earlier, actually. That we we realised we had a big problem in Toss in the fact that we had completely limited ourselves to the number of people we could get through the doors at lunchtime. We operated the classic salad bar you know, burrito place model, you queue up and you speak to four or five different people, you pay for your food at the end, thank you very much. Um, 
But in London, in central London, it, it's not enough. It's just not enough people coming through your doors. You, and and you're, you're so limited by the amount of actual team members that you can fit in the space and they're all working like this. So we knew that we, we had to do something. Otherwise, we were never going to get out of small business mentality. You know, if we wanted to be the biggest, the best, we, we had to do something to enable us to take more orders. And we started um, looking into the kiosk model, which at the time, you know, no one, everyone's got kiosks these days. Mm. They're in all the supermarkets, they're in McDonald's and yeah, Leon, yeah. petrol stations, Leon, but no one had them back then. The only people that used kiosks back then were Argos. They were the only people. Yeah. And um, only for you to find the thing wasn't in stock, by the way. Yeah, exactly. And, and once you found it on the little thing, you still had to take one of those tiny little yeah. pencils and write it down. Um, so, yeah, that's right. so we uh, ended up developing a piece of software, you know, completely bespoke to us with, with our software partners at the time so that people could order and then it would be printed out. And then hopefully by the time they've made their way across the other side of the store, it would be waiting for them, completely yeah. customizable. And there were a lot of changes we had to have. Um, you know, a lot of the team had to be deployed. All the stores had to be completely ripped apart and, and put back together again. You know, we had issues around plug sockets and internet access and everything was tricky. And, you know, it was Vincent's like sheer bloody mindedness that, that sort of dragged us through it. And, and we did we did everything that people are doing now. We had some kiosks, should people wish to use them, but we still retain the tills. And, you know, and then we, we got to the point where we were like, we just need to, this is what's going to happen. People are going to start using them. And so we, we ripped out all our tills um, and we put um, kiosks in every single store. And this was 2016? I think so, yeah. Wow. I think so. You know, we were the first UK business to go completely cashless because that was obviously, had to happen. There's no way we could accept cash in that situation. Yeah. Um, we were very, very close to being uh, the first company sort of, that we know of globally that, that sort of adopted this kiosk-only model. Um, Panera Bread in America launched it like months before we did really really close to where we were um in terms of doing it and um yeah it was it was a big big change at the time it was a massive amount of work a huge project really really big risk um and you know as as you can see uh, some of the biggest brands in the world have now adopted these kiosk gaming models so mm. it's paid off you know and back then who were you partnering with and you know were you always working with Vita Mojo or was it no so back then we it was actually our till um software provider company mm. one um mm. and and like I said we developed something bespoke with them um and developing something bespoke is great because you can get exactly what you want but that's all you get you don't get anything extra apart from what you want and what you pay for and what you brief and design um we were aware of Vita Mojo back then because they had their, their restaurants, um, which we didn't realise until mm -hmm. a little way in, that actually the restaurants were just then developing their software, which is actually genius when you think about it. Um, so 
we were aware of them and we'd been to see them and, and they weren't quite right for us back at the time, at that time. Um, it wasn't until after the pandemic when the previous parent company of TOS unfortunately went into administration mm. um, and myself and Neil, who's our MD, we decided to buy back the brand um, that we were like, let's find a better software provider. Let's find someone who is taking this forward under their own steam and under their own innovation that we can work with because whilst the work we did with Point One was, was amazing and it was groundbreaking at the time, without having other businesses using the software, it, it wasn't going to move forward. And we we couldn't keep pushing the business forward if we were gonna if we were gonna reopen the brand. Yeah. And then just with that buyback thing what happened in terms of the structure of the business and you know how many units and all that sort of stuff Where, where's that kind of at now well the pre-pandemic we were operating 24 company-owned sites um and we had 18 people in head office we've now got 11 company-owned sites and we've got five people in head office so it's it's slim yeah. um you could say um it's it's very different, but it's still the same. Does that yeah. make sense? Yeah, yeah, total sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We. Oh, sorry. Say, are you still in? Uh, have you still got the site in the service stations? No, actually, that 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 was um, a franchise agreement we had with Welcome Break Services, and that, yeah. the, the agreement actually ended late 2019. So, uh-huh. sort of pre-pandemic, that was that was on the way out anyway. I always um, thought so, that was such a statement, though you know, a, a statement of intent because um, when you went to service stations, there was no option right. of anything good for you. Yeah, it it's a shame, really. It was, Welcome Break did a bunch of research and their customers all said, oh, there's nothing healthy to eat in service stations. Mm. It's all burgers, it's all breakfast, bacon and egg. It would be great to have something healthy in service stations. And so they went out and they found a great healthy eating brand at Tost, and we launched into five of their sites. Um, but the, what people say they want and yeah. where people actually spend their money mm. is tends to be a little bit different. We had we had an extremely loyal band of people. I think there were people who tended to travel for work, so they were up and down the motorways. And who came and they said, "This is the best thing ever. I'm so happy. I'm going to eat here every time you do." They were extremely loyal, very vocal, very lovely group of customers, but very, very small. Um, And it it just didn't sort of work out that way. I think people treat service stations a little little bit how they treat airports and almost like it doesn't count. Yeah. You know, so, yeah, it's it's okay if I have a McDonald's for lunch and then for dinner because it doesn't really count. Yeah. Um, So it's a shame because... You know, we were doing something really different and really innovative. And then, like I said, there were people that were thought we were the best thing since sliced bread. And it mm. got us out in front of a whole new group of people. Yeah. Um, but unfortunately, it's 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 really tough because you're you're competing with other in that sort of franchise environment. You know, you're competing with other brands, but they're all owned by the same, all operated by the same company. So, you know, we we would set our prices for 
more commodity items like juices and smoothies and they were like oh you, you can't be cheaper than starbucks and it's like yeah. well, okay yeah, you know yeah, yeah. so so some some of our control was relinquished as i suppose it always is with franchise partners <laughs> A creative agency for the hospitality sector, Saved by Robots create compelling brands and memorable experiences through great design and engaging storytelling. From Scottish Restaurant of the Year Sugar Boat to Tip Jar, the digital tipping platform that's taken over the world, Saved by Robots excel at bringing ideas to life. As well as developing new concepts and refreshing existing brands, the robots provide outsourced graphic design to help multi-site operators grow with confidence. Check out their work and get in touch at savedbyrobots.com. Just thinking about the brand itself then, you know, mm. you've built this brand. Well, I guess there's two parts to it. One is, I guess you've not, depending on your definition of brand though, you've not came from a traditional brand schooling in a way um mm. so that's interesting It'd be good to see you know what you've learned and actually you'll be far better than you know specky blokes in shoreditch you know thinking they're clever <laughs> um and then the other part of it is you know how have you managed to build this brand that really does stand out from the rest because that's what most people are after right it's just that brand standout and, and saliency oh gosh well you're right with the first bit i what I know about brand and marketing, you can write down on the back of a stamp. You know, it's never really been my forte. Um, but again, I feel that's been a little bit of a, an advantage yeah. because I've, I've not come in with all these preconceived ideas. I've not come in with all these templates and, you know, manifestos and all of these things that must be completed yeah. in order to have a brand. What I've come in with is just a, a, a feeling and a sense and an idea of, of what, I want TOS to be and what Neil wants TOS to be and where we think the magic lies in TOS. And, you know, all the things that you mentioned earlier about what people think TOS is, which is everything's pink and there's silly pictures on the walls and puns and sort of like filthy jokes and things like that. That, That's actually all on a little bit, you know. But it's quite memorable to people and people still think, oh, yeah, I know, the one with the cartoons on the walls and pink everywhere and it's like it's not kind of what we are at the moment but it still sticks in people's mind it's no bad thing you know anything that sticks in people's mind is 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 good in the world of branding right yep yeah am i right well well, i guess you you know you you want to be making sure that all you really want is to own a couple of brain cells i mean that's the way i always think about it you know (laughs) if someone is thinking about lunch dinner breakfast you know you're in the conversation you know you're one of the top four and obviously the utopia is that you are the number one choice again and again Mm. and again and Mm. but but it's a it's a long game that one you know to to really tattoo those um brain cells synonymous is that the word yep that's what we're all aiming for isn't that's the one that's what we're trying for but yeah think salads think toast yeah, I mean, I think there's that, and but you know, the hard things that we faced at, at Chopped, for example, um, were a the name. So this was one of the most fascinating mm. things we did. Um, they never said, and it's always a thing I go on about to clients, which is Pret are humble enough to write in the window. We do sandwiches, lattes, cappuccinos, croissants, whatever, right? And even if 
you're an alien coming down from space, you'll have an idea of what Pret do. And, you know, mm. and Pret of anyone could afford not to put in the window what it is they do because most people kind of know what they do. Yeah. So there's that. So Chop never put outside. They, they were a salad gaff, right? Yeah. So you were just like, that would be a good idea, wouldn't it? To tell people <laughs> what we do, right? Uh, oh, it's a bit obvious. And, you know. Anyway, what happened was we did some research with um, people in the St. Paul's area and we just said to this one particular lady that stands out, and we said, why, what's made you not come into Chopped? Why don't you use Chopped? And she said, uh, the name, uh, I didn't know what you did. Now I do, I would come here five days a week, you know? And she says, the name just said, Chop, Chopstick, Asian, Spicy, not for me. Interesting. So she did that sum in mm. seconds, you know? Yeah. Um, and then that was six, seven years of lost business at St. Paul's. Yeah. You know, so it's it's things like that that, you know, you're, you're, you're always just thinking about in terms of brand. So it's kind of brand, yes, standouts, the first thing, awareness, but it really is that perception thing. But one of the other mm. things is, when you set yourself up as a salad place, as you were saying, you've got that finite couple of hours where you've mm. kind of got to get everyone through because yeah. people aren't thinking about it for breakfast unless you've got an amazing breakfast thing, which I know you've done a lot of work on that, so we can talk about that. But that's hard to get that through to people's heads that you're open for breakfast. And then the dinner thing is is, is a reasonably hard sell a lot of the time too, especially in the winter. So yeah, there's there's a lot to 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 go around, you know, in, in in that area. But in terms of brand perception, you're in the best place ever. I think knowing nothing is a much better position to be in than being trained the same as everyone else because you'll just think differently. And I think that's just one of the biggest advantages out there because you know what you just get is a sea of sameness. Yeah, on, I think so. Know? I hope so. I hope yeah. so. Um, and talking about the name actually and about breakfast is is one of our greatest blessings but also one of our greatest challenges you know people have got a good idea that we do salads great but we do want to sell people breakfast and you know we've developed this new breakfast range we are doing freshly made scrambled eggs you know that we will scramble for you straight away and in less than a minute it takes us uh, which no one else is doing in QSR. You know, I've been to pretty much every branded breakfast place there yeah. is in London, and I'm sure there's a few independents who do it before I get shouted at. <laughs> but everyone else is doing hot hold poached eggs or, you know, hot hold this, that, and the other. Um, no one else is scrambling to order and saying, here's your breakfast in the same amount of time it will take to make a salad. Mm. Um, but people just don't even comprehend that a, a brand called Tost would do would do breakfast. And we have the same challenge every year when it gets when the weather gets cooler because people want hot food. And we've spent years developing our hot food range, but still, you know, trying to convince people actually Tost also do a really good hot food range, and it's the same sort of price as a salad, and it will be ready in the same time, and it's just as filling and just as delicious you know, is is a really big challenge. So your name is your biggest blessing and your biggest curse, I guess, isn't it? Yeah. Well, I guess that just takes you on to the next bit, which is um, all the marketing stuff to convince people that although your name's Carphone Warehouse, you're not a warehouse and you don't sell Carphones <laughs> anymore. 
that can be expensive. Mm, yeah. <laughs> it can be quite expensive to sort of brainwash people, but I guess that's the business we're in slightly. Um, yeah. So just thinking about food trends and, um, you know, innovation and all these things, what's going on in Tost at the moment? You know, what are you, you focusing on there? Because you mentioned breakfast, but what, what else is happening? Uh, so we are really just trying to focus our efforts on having a, a really nice, complete, fresh, delicious, wholesome uh, salad menu. A little bit something for everyone. Um, we're not trying to reinvent the wheel when it comes to salads. Um, we're about to launch cauliflower back into stores, which is really exciting. People love yeah. a bit of cauliflower. Yeah. Um, you know, we're just trying to stay on top of what people want. I think after the pandemic, innovation's probably taken a little bit of a back step for us. Mm -hmm. um, we're focusing on quality, speed, service, making sure that everybody that comes through the door gets an amazing um, experience, that we get things right for people, that the food is delicious, that it's fresh, that it's made correctly. Um, yeah, that's where we're at right now. I'd I'd end up in these doom scrolling things at two in the morning on my phone, and um, I saw a stand up routine the other day, and it was an American guy, and he was talking as if he was um, cauliflower's agent, you know, as if cauliflower was an actor <laughs> or something. Yeah, and he just goes, "You'll never believe <laughs> what's <laughs> going to happen to you this year," you know, and it's just like cauliflower's having the best year of its life, you know, uh, and the and, uh, you know being up against steaks and wings and oh my god, all these yeah, wonderful exactly. things. But yeah. I, I mean, in terms of you know some of the competition that's out there, you know. Burritos, poke bowls, you know, all that sort of stuff. Are you kind of just staying in your lane or are you looking to dabble in those areas? We're saying in, I don't want to say we're saying in our lane. No. Makes, that makes us sound like that we're restricting ourselves. Uh, we are focusing on our bread and butter, I suppose yep. you could say. Um, we did a lot of work on our hot food range last winter um, bought in some new ingredients, some mm -hmm. new dishes, bought in a Brazilian bowl, which was yeah. delicious. Um, and we've done a lot of work on breakfast and uh, we've done a lot of work on our plant-based and vegan ranges. Um, and, and I think that's where we're staying. We, we, we do try and be the best at what we do. Mm -hmm. And we're quite, we're quite aware of, we don't want to, we don't want to try something else unless we're the best at it. You know, we've we've tried a lot of things in the past. Like we've done toasties, we've done pre-made salads, we've done um, wraps that were a little bit like a burrito, I suppose, sort of like yeah. a hot stuffed wrap. We've done hummus bowls, like the places like Garbanzos do. Um, and and we can do all of those things and we can, you know, we'll sell a few of them, but can we get defend it? Can we say this is the best? Yeah. You know, is this is this what we do? And is it exclusive and is it delicious and is it fantastic and is it amazing? You know, if if I can't say that about the food, like why why would I bother? Yeah. You know, we 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 what was I looking at the other day? One of our team members said, Oh, why don't we sell a fruit salad? And it was like, well, we could sell a fruit salad, but it's just a fruit salad. Yeah. You know, I'd just be buying a tub of fruit salad from a supplier. You guys would be popping it into a pot and then we'd be putting it on the shelf. 
mm-hmm. and people would be buying a fruit salad. Like, it, I'm sure we'd sell quite a few of them. I'm sure we'd make a bit of profit. But it's not it's not the type of thing we want to be selling, yeah. you know? It's, it's, it's finding that balance between giving people what they want and making sure that you can maximise things like basket level and, and, you know, average spend and all of those things, but at the same time being able to defend what you have. Mm. And, and if, if my mum walked into a store and bought something, would I be like, oh, yeah, brilliant, or would I be like, oh, no, don't do that? Yeah, you know, yeah. You know, really having that sort of making sure that everything is 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 as good as everything else, and there's no outliers. That that's the dream. That's what I strive to do. And is there a brand DNA that you look at? You know, you talk about defending it. Is it in the feel good food sort of area, or how 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 do you express so that? So we 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 have sort of two strap lines. I guess we have our sort of very outwardly strap line which is food to make you feel good mm-hmm. which is on our packaging it's on our bags it's on our walls you know we it sounds nice it's very brandy it's quite catchy um and and that that's ultimately what it is which is we're not we're not saying that our food is all low calorie or all vegan or all uk grown what we're saying is it's food to make you feel good and, yeah. and all the different sort of connotations and iterations that you can build out of that statement um, we then have our mission statement, which is healthy and delicious food made fresh with love. So that's our brand DNA, really. And that's that's for our internal communications. That's what we tell our team members. You know, it's what we write on all of our bits of comms. You know, that's what we want to sell. And that's how we want to run the business. Um, if, it, if it doesn't sort of make sense to do with those four statements, then then we shouldn't be doing it, really. Yeah. Well, that makes sense. And then, what are you seeing in the cities um, and workers and all that stuff? How how's that all? You know, are people coming back to the office Mondays and Fridays? Crap! What's what's going on? Yeah, Mondays and Fridays, crap. Fridays especially crap. Mm. Um, so we thought that no one was coming to work on Friday because our sales were so low. Um, but what we think is that people who do come to work on a Friday don't want to have a salad, um, which is okay you know maybe people are going to the pub or having a burrito or whatever they're having um but yeah sort of in the more west end sites i think we've seen a bit bit of a better recovery i think we're probably seeing people coming in four days out of five but in the square mile city sites it's three three and a half days in the office so that's a challenge you know trying to if people are only having three meals in london a week how can we make sure that one of them is tossed yeah no that makes sense no i, I remember the mondays and fridays challenge um yeah we chopped because everyone was wanting a pint and a burger on a yeah. friday in the city it's, you know exactly monday mondays used to be our best day by yeah. a country mile and now yeah, it's yeah. tuesdays you know yeah. so Mon- mondays mondays are there or thereabouts tuesdays are the day that you know that's yeah. that's when that's when we make our hay fridays is dear me how it yeah. is catch up on your admin day really Toast Tuesdays though. That's that sounds Toast good. Tuesdays. Nice right, alliteration. I'll write that down. Love it. Love much. it. Yeah. I love an alliteration. Um yeah. but and then just in terms of um the tech side of things then. So mm. what tech parts have you got in the business now? So you've got the kiosks, you know, how how does that sort of work end to end for for the consumer? Is there an app? What what's going on there? 
Yeah, so we we've got all the tech, <laughs> all the tech, all the tech. Of, all the tech. <laughs> so the the fantastic thing about the Vita Mojo solution is that we we can manage the two menus, the the in store and the online menu, as one complete menu, which we could never do before. We'd always have to man manage them separately, and you know the more things you have to update, the more sort of pieces of data you have, the more chance you've got of something going terribly wrong. Um, so we we have the in-store kiosks, which run exactly the same menu as our online menu. And then using Vitamojo, we can also manage our delivery partners menu of the same platform. So whereas in the old world, I'd have to, we'd have to as a team update the in-store menu, the online menu, the delivery menu, the Uber Eats menu, you know, everything had to be done separately. It's now everything's available in one platform just to update everything. So that has been um, a huge time saver um, in terms of efficiency for, for me and for the team in head office. Um, we, in terms of, it's where our biggest sort of thoughts are in terms of growing the business in tech is how can we really make our back of house operations that little bit more slick? Yeah. You know, we're, this summer is the first time we've really been challenged on our efficiency. Um, up until now, We've not really been busy enough, yeah. Um, but we've recently opened a store on Cheapside, um, which is has gone bananas and is incredibly busy. And and this is the challenge that we've now got, which is actually we need to be better, we need to be faster, we need to be more efficient, mm. um, we need to take more orders. You know, even even in a store full of kiosks, which can process 20, 22 orders at the same time. We need to now make sure we've got the back of house flow uh, to manage that. And in terms of the sort of more tech aspect of it, like are customers feeding back that they're missing the human interaction or are they quite happy to get in and get out? You know, how's that going? No, these we, we, we did have a little bit of that at the beginning. Um, but these days, you know, especially with the pandemic and the and the social distancing and the contactless delivery and all of that stuff, people are more than happy to order on their phone or to go to a kiosk. And, you know, we, we, we do try and have a couple of touch points of human interaction in, in every customer experience. We have hosts on the floor, fulfilling delivery, making sure that everyone knows what they're doing on the kiosk, solving any problems. And also you will be given your salad by a human being. Yeah. Um, when, when you go up to collect it. So we, we, we try and make sure that we get a little bit of human interaction. And there is always someone around who's who can answer any questions or help out people that are, that need it in the store. Well, that's cool. And in, in terms of, you know, you've got quite a cult brand on your hands there and always have had. So with the reward scheme, you know, how, mm. how does that work and how are you sort of rewarding those... Um, sort of main toast lovers uh the reward scheme the reward scheme this has been a long time in development it's something that we were we just launched pre-pandemic right. um and then you know after the pandemic we probably didn't have enough customers to be to warrant a reward scheme but it is now back up and running and it's hugely popular so the the main gist of it is like any rewards scheme the more you spend the more you save we'll give people a point for every pound they spend if they spend 100 if they get 100 points they get a 10 pound gift voucher so 
the metric really is is you get a 10% discount just for signing up. Um, it's been really popular and it's really interesting and it's giving us a huge amount of data points in terms of visit frequency and, and average spend and what people like and what people don't like. And, and it's 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 probably the, the biggest area of development for tech for us alongside the back of house efficiency work that we're doing. Yeah, I, I just don't think enough brands really think about retention. You know, it's really mm. odd, you know, where mm. I remember I was at a kind of lecture thing one time and, and James Haken, um, you know, one of the brains of hospitality really was talking about it and he was saying, like, you really should be spending 70-80% of your efforts mm. on bringing people back in. And yeah, it's yeah. Just such an obvious point, but just people just do not do it. It's always... Who's next? Who's next? Who's next? Who's next? Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. Um, you know. So I, I, I think it's a, a really good thing. You know, from that perspective. And the other thing, I would say is, you know, just going back to the humanity of, you know, how tech and humans sort of live together. There's been quite a few examples lately, just on my travels and, and naming no names, but I've been sort of around, uh, you know, some train stations and things like that, and it really is frictiony. You know, whereas I think yours is a lot more seamless because you were set up in that way. You kind of were tech first with a human heart, you know, whereas it really is jarring. And there is someone mm. behind the desk or behind the counter. So, and also you've got a lot of foreign travellers, you know, around mm. the train stations of London yeah. and things like that. Yeah. So they're not quite understanding. Do I speak to this person or do I not? Or do, you know, mm. and then you've kind of then just got a human working the tablet for yeah. the person and then they're kind of frustrated you know so yeah so I think you're ahead of the curve because in a brand sense you've got the points already for that's how Toast works whereas yeah. I think there's some people trying it's kind of like if John Lewis were doing it on mass now you know it probably yeah. wouldn't compute for a generation yeah and and it is the way that it's going I mean I, I gave a sort of uh, a presentation at a conference a few years ago about tech and and I was one of, one of my key points was if you want to know whether your tech is is going to work, give it to a five-year-old. You know, five-year-olds and iPhones and touchscreens, it's so intuitive for them. It's just something they just know how to use them straight away. Yeah. You know, if, if this five-year-old can work out, these are the buttons that I have to press and this is how I change things, this is how I put things in, this is how I take things out, you know you're kind of on the right track. Um, and the generation coming up below us is all they've ever known. Yeah. Um, and, and that it's so natural to them just to order things on a tablet, order things on a kiosk, order things on your phone, um, that us having the sort of head start on what works and what doesn't work, it's been hugely beneficial um, in getting back up and running. Yeah, I remember when the wee one was we. Um and you know she was like swiping the telly and you're like get your filthy hands off. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I don't think so, pal. Um, yeah. so the last couple of things before we do uh, some fun stuff, um, was really just what's next for you, what's next for toast, and what's next for tech. Uh, what is next for me? Uh, um, we would just like. Me and Tost, just a little bit of consistency, please. Mm. Um, it's, I mean, for everyone, the last three years have been insane. Mm -hmm. um, and even now, 
the strikes that we've been having and the weather last year. I think last year we had a snowstorm and a hurricane and a heat wave within within about four months of each other. Yeah. Um, so it's really hard to get any sort of traction and to get any sort of consistency and stability across the business. Um, we're at a point now where we, we've got the team we have in store is more stable than it's ever been. You know, when we first restarted the business and last year in particular, it was really hard to try and get a team to come in and stay and do what we needed them to do. Um, but that settled down a lot now. So we're a great place for the team. Um, food prices appear to, fingers crossed, touch wood, put themselves in the eye. Hopefully now that that should stop fluctuating quite as madly as it has been. Yeah. Um, so what we'd really like is just for things just to be the same for a little bit so we can really sort of learn about what's going well and what's not. Because when you're reacting to these things all the time, you're not really learning about what's working and what's not working. So that's what we'd really like for Tost. And that's what I'd really like is a little bit of consistency just so that things can settle down and we can we can we can make some thoughtful decisions about about what's going on. Yeah. And what was the next question? I forgot. Uh, it was just around, uh, the, you know, the growth of an expansion mm. plans for Tost um, and then also a wee bit on tech and AI and all that jazz. Um, Growth-wise, well, I, I probably can't tell you too much because I'll get told off sure. being a gossip. But there, there, <laughs> there, there, there's something, there'll be something coming up in the next couple of months, which, which is really exciting for us. Um, so that's that. And in terms of AI... Um, where we're probably going to start using that the most will be with our loyalty scheme and in how to reward people and how to incentivize people and, and how to really um, make sure that we're offering the right things to the right people at the right time. Um, I, th- I think that's where we'll probably use AI. Everyone's a bit obsessed with AI at the moment. Yeah, they? of course. It's, NFTs, it's, metaverse yeah. <laughs> this is the next thing. Literally, Overnight, I was with somebody the other day who was who was well. Let's ask AI what this should look like, and I was yeah. like, "Let's not do let's that." Not. Uh, let's, <laughs> let's not. Let's not. And I, you, you can't go on social media without hearing Freddie Mercury sing one of Harry Styles' songs. Yeah. And I'm like, "This is weird." Yeah, let's I don't want that. Yeah. Um, so AI it leaves me a little bit feeling like I'm 75 years old, but that's okay. <laughs> Um, but where we will be using it and where we have already started to sort of dip our toes in look at is like I said, in terms of crunching numbers, taking yeah. huge amounts of data and just getting some like, actually, did you know that 20% of people come in at this time? Mm. You know, that's a really great time for them to come in. Why don't you give them something special for doing that? Yeah. So yeah. We, we, we try and use data in that way rather than it being quite so anecdotal we offer rewards to people who choose to order before 12 you know so actually this is a much better time for you to come in for you and for us why don't you come in at 11 30 instead of at 1 30 you know and if you do you can have this thank you very much so that that's that's at the moment where, where we'll be using ai um the big the big salad bar in America has launched salad robots. I'm not sure if you've seen this. So actually completely okay. automated salad making process. So everything, all the ingredients are like preloaded into hoppers. 
like on a uh, sort of conveyor belt situation and the salad bowl passes underneath and then the ingredients drop in um, like a factory. So that that's what the Americans are doing. Yeah, well, do you know what? The other one was years ago, I was at something in Zurich, maybe? And on this stage, someone, as a futurologist, this was years ago, mm. and they were talking about eventually we'd be printing our own food from 3D mm. printers. So you'd instead of an ink cartridge, you'd have a plant cartridge, a protein cartridge, you know, da 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 um, a dairy cartridge, whatever, and then you would be literally printing out a burger or whatever. Um, so I, I remember that. Go, wow, that sounds a terrifying, but really interesting in terms of how that might work. I don't know. Yeah, I think I'm a bit skeptical about that. Mm. Maybe, maybe a bit realist. Like, you know, like could we actually do that? Like, I'm not sure we're. We, we think a lot of ourselves as a species, don't we? We think, we think we're great. Um, and, and a lot of things we try, we get hideously wrong. So yeah. I'm, I'm not sure. I feel like that is probably many hundreds of years away. Yep. You know, when you, when you look back at all the sort of Tomorrow of His Worlds program that we were watching in the 80s, yeah. like, oh, wow, it's going to be great. One of those. Millennium, isn't it? We're all going to be flying, <laughs> hoverboards, not you know, traveling back in time. Yeah. Yeah. Can't even get the trains to work. Yeah. Well, yeah, can't even fix my vision. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, yeah, let's get the basics first. That yeah. would be ideal. Um yeah. yeah, I but no, I mean it is a bit of a watchword. I mean, I think there's some fun things in terms of I was doing a podcast about AI a wee while ago just to kind of dip my toe. And one of the good points I think was about it can optimize waste really well, you know, in terms of imaging. <laughs> so, you know, you hold what people are, I mean yours are slightly different because they take things away but if it was a restaurant type scenario in the main yeah. um, you know you'd hold up the dishes and then you can see you know that you've not optimised the you know the serving or whatever not that there is a complete average but I think it would help you know in a lot of ways mm-hmm. um, some staff training stuff and you know and, and things like that but we're, we're kind of having the most fun just dreaming up ads you know so it's kind of like what if and I've got a client at the moment they're a holidays client and they were doing what if Henry VIII went on holiday now and he's like you know sitting in a kind of throne on a plane doing a selfie with his crown on and you know and kind of like eating a big leg of ham while he's on the beach with you know whatever he's he's got you know he's got his sneakers on so you know it's kind of some fun stuff but yeah they still can't do hands very well and they still can't do teeth very well so that's Mm -hmm. quite interesting but yeah so that's cool okay well last couple of things then and then I'll love you and leave you is um, Mm -hmm. just fun stuff hopefully so um, favourite city to eat in um, you see, you gave me these questions in advance, and I and I've struggled a little bit with them because I'm I'm quite sort of chaotic with my thinking, and and okay. it tend my favourite things tend to be like what I'm currently into or what I've done most recently. So I'm kind of gonna, you know, over the last few years, this is this these have been my vibe. So yep, I would say favourite city to eat in. I went to Lake Como recently. Ah. Well, end of last year. I'd never been to that part of northern Italy before. Didn't really know what to expect. Thought it would be really touristy. It was really touristy. But even the most touristy restaurants in Lake Como, food was amazing. The Italians, they do get it right, don't they, in terms of food? Yeah. So the places, like somewhere you would think, like being a Leicester Square, 
you know, touristy hellhole of a restaurant mm. in Como was delicious. The pasta yeah. was delicious. The salad was delicious. The wine was amazing. So I would say favourite city to eat in, probably anywhere in Italy, but I really, really enjoyed something quite special about eating on the terrace overlooking some mountains and a lake. Yeah, well, that sounds ideal. And also, you'd be a great person to go on holiday with because you, you would know if the food's good or not. You've, you're kind of the marker. Yeah, everyone knows if food's good or not, well, right? I, I don't know. Like, mm, well, I, I would. I would you eat something, you're, you're like, this is good, or you're like, no, this is rubbish. Nah, well, I, th- I think I think I like the authoritative authoritativeness of having someone that's like a food critic yeah, or a, a, yeah. a food a proper foodie not just like mm. I read the Guardian or whatever you know this is like you're a proper <laughs> you, you, you proper know your onions literally so no I'd, I'd like to I'd, yeah I think that would be that would be good for me I think to, to find mm, out okay. I'll go is this really good or is it just pretentious I don't know um, mm, so or that is would... it just because we're somewhere beautiful well, yeah. the sun is shining and we're having a lovely time but that that yeah. is that does make it, doesn't it? And you True. sort of appreciate that a little bit more when you're older, which is, do, do I want to go to the, the hippest, newest, coolest restaurant in London? Or am I actually just happy going to Oaxaca with my family because that's what we want to do? Yeah, it's fun times. You know, so, yeah, exactly. So I think I've got a little bit more like that when now I've got a bit older. I don't sort of seek out places just because they're cool and trendy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then favourite hotel? So... I still think that the the best hotel that if you can, you should stay in the Renaissance St Pancras. Yes. You know, the one above the station mm. where the Spice Girls filmed Wannabe. Um, it, it, was, it is iconic and it was a lovely, lovely place to stay. Mm. And I think I'll remember staying in that hotel for a long, long time because you were just like, oh my God, this is so yeah. cool. That was the zigzag stairs. That was, wow. and you can go up yeah. those stairs and uh, yeah. take pictures and do the dance as I did. <laughs> well, you can. Um, is that yeah. uh, 1996? Was that? Uh, yes, I think so. Yeah. yeah, must be. Yeah, which one were you? Were you? Did you? Did you have a favourite? Uh, well, I wasn't as uh, 1996. I was sort of 16. I think I was a bit old for them. Um, I think looking back, I probably would have been sporty spice, but uh-huh. I was I was a bit more of an indie girl in the nineties. Yeah, yeah, you yeah. know, you'd find me like listening to Blur, not Spice Girls. Yep, yep. Did you go? Yeah. Did you go to Blur? Let's be. Uh, I saw Blur at Glastonbury. Yeah, oh. a few years, a few years after. I sort of where I grew up in Deepest Darkest Kent. We didn't get the big bands. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Coming along, you know. So yeah. Nice. Well, it looks like they rocked uh, Wembley. It looks like they did really good. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I regret I had tickets for it. I gave, I gave them away just from oh, very no. few people. Yeah, yeah. Uh, no, I, I was, I... annoyed. Yeah, annoyed. Favorite restaurant? Um, again, I probably the best meal I've had in recent years has been in Copenhagen in a restaurant called Ark. So my partner's a vegan, mm. so we tend to eat out of plant-based places, and Ark is a Michelin starred vegan plant-based restaurant in Copenhagen. And what I have found is if you want something that's that's interesting and innovative and creative, you know, go where the vegetables are. Mm. You know, every, everyone, like I've got no interest in eating in, in, a, in a steakhouse, you know, mm. even if it's the best steakhouse in the world, it's still just a steak. I'd much rather go somewhere where they've 
you know, this place called Ark, they've, they've got their own mushroom farm. You know, you you know what they're doing with vegetables and plants is truly uh, fascinating. And we talk about what's what's next for food, like making making the most of your vegetables is is yeah. right up there. So probably, I'm not sure if I bought my favourite restaurants. I've only been there once, but it was certainly one of the most interesting and fun meals I've had out from recent years. Favourite dish in Ark? Well, just in general, yeah. What's your just what's your in general? Favourite thing to have? Favourite thing to have. I mean, you can't beat a curry, really, can you? I think to both cook and eat out and have delivered, I would probably go a real classic Indian curry, please. Nice. Favourite coffee shop? I don't think I really have one. I think, again, my favourite coffee shop is the one that's right in front of me when I really want a coffee. (laughs) Just anything. Just, um, I, just, yeah. I can know, set um, you up with a caffeine anonymous uh, meeting if yeah, you get, it sounds like you're yeah, kind of addicted. You, just, just, you know, when you need a coffee and you're like, oh, look, there's a yeah. lovely coffee shop here. Obviously, I prefer if it were an amazing, fantastic, independent, fair trade coffee shop that are doing yeah, yeah. wonderful things with orphans. But, you know, um, coffee. Just get like, it in my arm. Mm-hmm, <laughs> right in my blood. Mm-hmm, yeah. Yeah, uh, and have you got a favourite drink tipple or not tipple? Um, I I still like a beer. You know mm-hmm. what's what's been happening to the the world of craft beers over recent years is a delight to me. Um, mm-hmm. I I lived in Tottenham for ten years, really close to the Beavertown Tap Room, yeah. and so it's fantastic to see what Beavertown are doing. You know, I I can't drink as many pints as I used to, and it's. <laughs> It's definitely a sad sign of aging when I, I a big consideration when I choose which beer to have is is its ABV. You know, I'm like questionable. Yeah, a three point two. I can no. have a few of those. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Like six point five. Are you mad? Yeah, yeah. Um, so, yeah, exactly. I'm I'm really enjoying the craft beers. I love an IPA. Um, anything that's sort of you know, cloudy and tastes like citrus is is right up my street. Nice. And then last thing, favourite bar or pub? Um, probably my local in mm-hmm. in in Surbiton. Um, I guess we're all sort of searching for that cheers effect where everybody knows your name. And I, no one knows my name in, in my local pub, but they <laughs> all know my dog's name. Oh, okay. So, yeah, when when I walk in with the dog, you know, everyone just comes running to say hello. So yeah, Lovely. that's probably again what where I would where you would find me. Yeah, the Victoria in Surbiton is is my favourite. Brilliant. All right. Well, listen. I'll give you fifteen minutes of your life back. So enjoy those. Um, I'll love you, alleviate. Thanks so much for doing this. And it was just so nice to catch up with you after many years as yes, well. Yes, many, many years. Thank yes. you, Mark. It's been oh, really joyful. Yeah, and I'm glad you're well. And uh, and hopefully, um, yeah, I'll see you in Brighton sometime, I hope. Yeah, I'm sure we will. Okay, take care. Thank you. Thanks so much. Cheers. Bye. Bye. So there we go. That was Ange Angelina. So thank you so much for spending time with me. It's been so great to just catch up and hear all about the world of healthier QSR, all about Tost, all about you and how things have been going in your career and talking about tech, innovation 
and all things brand. Thanks so much, Angelina, and I wish you well for the coming years. This podcast is sponsored by Vita Mojo, the all-in-one restaurant management platform helping operators grow ATV, reduce tech complexity, and serve guests better. Just visit vitamojo.com forward slash supersonic and get in touch with the team right away. That's vitamojo.com forward slash supersonic. So this is me, Mark McSee, signing off for another podcast, and I'm really looking forward to the next time we're together. Next time, we'll hear from many, many more interesting people with top tips, tricks, and tales that will make your brand boom.